Book First, Chapter Nine of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book First, Chapter Nine, Old Plod. Emily Warren, why does thee bring Richard Morton back so soon? asked Mr. Yocomb, suspending for a moment the sweep of his hand that was scattering the grain. You are mistaken, sir, I said. I brought Miss Warren back. I thought she would enjoy seeing you feed the poultry, the horses, and especially the cows. These more self-denying than I'd have been, he resumed with his humorous twinkle. Don't tell mother, but I wouldn't mind taking a walk with Emily Warren myself on a June evening like this. I will take a walk with you whenever you wish, laughed Miss Warren. But I'll surely tell Mrs. Yocomb. Oh, I know I'd get found out, said the old man, shaking his head ruefully. I always do. I'm sure you would if Miss Warren were here, I added. I'm at a loss to know how early in the day she found me out. Well, I guess thee's a pretty square sort of a man. If thee'd been stealing sheep, Emily Warren wouldn't laugh at thee so approvingly. I'm finding out that she rather likes the people she laughs at. At least I take that view, for she laughs at me a great deal. I knew from Emily Warren's laugh that thee hadn't anything very bad to tell mother. I admit that, at the time, I enjoyed being laughed at, a rather rare experience. You needn't either of you plume yourself that you are irresistibly funny. I laugh easily. Mr. Yocomb, why do you feed the chickens so slowly? I have noticed it before. Now Reuben and Hiram, the man, throw the corn all down at once. They are in more of a hurry than I am. I don't like to do anything in a hurry, least of all to eat my dinner. Now why should these chickens, turkeys, and ducks gobble everything right down? The corn seems to taste good to them. So, after a handful, I wait till they have had a chance to think how good the last kernel was before they get another. You see, I greatly prolong their pleasure. And in these intervals you meditate on Thanksgiving Day, I suppose, she said. Emily Warren, these a good Yankee. I admit that that young gobbler there did suggest a day on which I'm always very thankful, and with good reason. I had about concluded before thee came that, if we were both spared, i.e. that gobbler and I, till next November, I would probably survive him. How can you have the heart to plan against that poor creature's life so coolly? See how he turns his round innocent eyes toward you as if in gratitude. If he could know that the hand that feeds him would chop off his head, what a moral shock he would sustain. That upturned beak should be to you like a reproachful face. Emily Warren, we expect thee to eat thy Thanksgiving dinner with us, and that young gobbler will probably be on the table. Now what part of him will thee take on that occasion? A piece of the breast, if you please. Richard Morton, is not Emily Warren as false and cruel as I am? just about is thee not afraid of her i would be if she were unfriendly oh thee thinks everybody in this house is friendly emily warren thee must keep up our good name he added with a mischievous nod toward her mr yocomb you are forgetting the chickens altogether there are some staid and elderly hens that are going to bed in disgust you have kept them waiting so long see how quick they'll change their minds he said as he threw down a handful of corn now isn't that just like a hen he added and then hastened back and just like a woman also i'm sure you want to suggest said miss warren 
i suppose thee never changes thy mind i'm going to change the subject poultry with their feathers on don't interest me very much the male birds remind me of a detestable class of conceited men that one must see daily in the city whose gallantry is all affectation and who never for a moment lose sight of themselves or their own importance that strutting gobbler there mr morton reminds me of certain eminent statesmen whom your paper delights to honour and i imagine that that ridiculous creature embodies their idea of the american eagle then the hens have such a simple unthinking aspect they act as if they expect to be crowed over as a matter of course and thus typify the followers of these statesmen who are so preeminent in their own estimation their exalted perches seem to be awarded unquestioningly so you think miss warren that i have the simple unthinking aspect typified by the physiognomy of these hens mr morton i was generalizing we always accept present company remember i disagree with your paper not you but why you look up to these human species of the gobbler is something i can't understand and being only a woman that need not seem strange to you since i must tell you the truth on all occasions nolens volens you have hit on a subject wherein i differ from my paper human phases of the gobbler are not pleasant but the turkey phase is very said mr yocombe throwing a handful of corn down before his favourite which like certain eminent statesmen immediately looked after his own interests mr yocombe please let me help you feed the horses said miss warren leading the way into the barn where on one side were mows for hay and grain and on the other stalls for several horses the sleek and comfortable animals seemed to know the young girl for they thrust out their black and brown noses toward her and projected their ears instead of laying them back viciously as when i approached and one old plough-horse who had been much neglected until miss warren began to pet him gave a loud ecstatic whinny oh you big honest old fellows she exclaimed caressing one and another i'd rather teach you than half my pupils in which half do you place me i asked you oh i forgot i was to teach you topography i will assign you by and by after you have had a few lessons a man ought to do as well as a horse so i hope to win your favour i wish all men did as well as mr yocombe's horses they evidently feel they have the family name and respectability to keep up mr yocombe what is it that smells so sweetly that is the red top clover we cut last week oh isn't it good i wouldn't mind having some myself and she snatched down a fragrant handful from the mow here old plod she said turning to the plough-horse the world has rather snubbed you as it has honest worth before mr yocombe you and reuben are much too fond of gay horses shall i tell reuben that thee'd rather ride after old plod as thee calls him no i thank you i'll go on as i've begun i'm not changeable now friend morton is not emily warren as bad as i am about gay horses i'm inclined to think she is about as bad as you are in all respects emily warren thee needn't put on any more airs richard morton thinks thee isn't any better than i am and there's nothing under the sun an editor doesn't know i wish he were right this time she said with a laugh and a sigh curiously blended it seems to me mr yocombe that you have grown here in the country like your clover hay and are as good and wholesome 
In New York it is so different, especially if one has no home life. You breathe a different atmosphere from us in more respects than one. This fragrant old barn appears to me more of a sanctuary than some churches in which I have tried to worship, and its dim evening light more religious. According to your faith, I said, no shrine has ever contained so precious a gift as a manger. According to our faith, if you please, Mr. Morton. By an instinct that ignored a custom of the friends, but exemplified their spirit, the old man took off his hat as he said, Yes, friend Morton, according to our faith, the child that was cradled in a manger tends to make the world innocent. The old barn had indeed become a sanctuary, I thought, in the brief silence that followed. Miss Warren stepped to the door, and I saw a quick gesture of her hands to her eyes. Then she turned and said in her piquant way, Mr. Yocomb, our talk reminds me of the long grace in Latin which the priests said before meals, and which the hungry people couldn't understand. The horses are hinting broadly that oats would be more edifying. If it were Monday, I'd wager you a plum that they would all leave your oats to eat clover hay out of my hand. We'll arrange about the bet tomorrow, and now try the experiment, said Mr. Yocomb, relapsing into his genial humor at once. I was learning, however, that a deep earnest nature was hidden by this outward sheen and sparkle. Filling his four-quart measure from the cobwebbed bin, he soon gave each horse his allowance. Now, Richard Morton, thee watch her and see that she doesn't coax too much, or come it over them with any unlawful witchery. Take the hay thyself, Emily, and we'll stand back. I went to the further end of the barn near old Plod, and stood where I could see the maiden's profile against the light that streamed through the open door. Never shall I forget the picture I then saw. The tall, ample figure of the old Quaker stood in the background, and his smile was broad and genial enough to have lighted up a dungeon. Above him rose the odorous clover, a handful of which Miss Warren held out to the horse in the first stall. Her lips were parted, her eyes shining, and her face had the intent eager interest of a child, while her attitudes and motions were full of unstudied and unconscious grace. The first horse munched stolidly away at his oats. She put the tempting wisp against his nose, at which he laid back his ears and looked vicious. She turned to Mr. Yocomb, and the old barn echoed to a laugh that was music itself, and she said, You have won your plume if it is Sunday. I shall try all the other horses, however, and thus learn to value correctly the expressions of affection I have received from these long-nosed gentlemen. One after another they munched on, regardless of the clover. Step by step she came nearer to me, smiling and frowning at her want of success. My heart thrilled at a beauty that was so unconventional and so utterly self-forgetful. The blooming clover, before it fell at the sweep of the scythe, was the fit emblem of her then. She looked so young, so fair and sweet. They are as bad as men, she exclaimed, who will forgive any wrong rather than an interruption at dinner. She now stood at my side before old Plod, that thus far, in his single-minded attention to his oats, had seemingly forgotten her presence. But as he lifted his head from the manger and saw her, he took a step forward and reached his great brown nose toward her, rather than for the clover. In brief, he said in his poor dumb way, I like you better than hay or oats. The horse's simple undisguised affection for some reason touched the girl deeply, for she dropped the hay and threw her arm around the horse's head, leaning her face against his. 
I saw a tear in her eye as she murmured, You have more heart than all the rest put together. I don't believe anyone was ever kind to you before, and you've been a bit lonely like myself. Then she led the way hastily out of the barn, saying, Old Plod and I are sworn friends from this time forth, and I shall take your advice, old Plod. I was soon at her side and asked, What advice did old Plod give you? For some inexplicable reason she colored deeply, then laughed as she said, It's rarely wise to think aloud, but impulsive people will do it sometimes. I suppose we all occasionally have questions to decide that to us are perplexing and important, though of little consequence to the world. Come, if we are to see the old garden, we must make the most of the fading light. After my interview with old Plod, I can't descend to cows and pigs. So good-bye, Mr. Yocomb. End of Book First, Chapter 9